one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay have your bible turn with us please to first thessalonians my heart got blessed with a song see i have a mother uh, over there that i want to see too and uh, there's only one person i want to see more and i want to see my mother and that'd be jesus and i'll be glad for the privilege of being with him and with all the redeemed what a sight no sinners no liquor bottles no cigarette smoke no hospitals no little crippled children no broken homes shattered bodies no wrecks on those golden streets there'll be no misery no unhappiness no sickness no death no sign no undertakers with their hearses to crawl gently down those golden streets think about it i tell you that's just around the corner one of these days it'll all be over and it'll be worth it all to see him face to face one that saved us and that loved us and has kept us through the years given us every joy we've ever known every good thing i've ever had i got it from jesus and tonight i want to preach to you I, you know the lord gave me a text this morning did you hear me tell about killing the man last night in my room yeah i'll tell you i had a real battle and uh, it seems surreal and uh, I was right there, and, 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 and he was a big fella. He was so big, I, could, I didn't even touch him. I was scared of him. I'm telling you, all I was thinking about was getting away. And uh, it was dark, but I could still see him. And he, was, he, he reminded me of what the Bible tells and describes as Goliath. I mean, there wasn't any need. I mean, I felt like little David. And uh, absolutely, I knew, and I, 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 couldn't, I knew I was helpless. And I remember one thing. And it was very plain. And I began to say, the sword of the Lord, the sword of the Lord. And I said it about three times. And brother, the third time I said the sword of the Lord, my enemy fell to the floor. I mean, great, big old greasy looking, mushy looking, strong looking, mean looking. Brother, he hit the floor. And I thought, amen. I mean, I got him, see? And it didn't even touch him, see? But the Lord, he, he gave me, about 4.30 this morning, I was awake. Of course, I woke up then. And I realized that I guess I was having a nightmare. But uh, I, I, at least even in my nightmare, I got rid of the giant. And the only thing I used on him was the sword of the Lord. And the Lord, I lay there a little bit and I said, Lord, uh, you give me a little more sleep. About two, th 2 o'clock, give me a little more sleep. And I'll wake up with the sword of the Lord. And brother, when I woke up at 4.30, I reached over and got that old sword. And uh, oh, the Lord gave me some sweet things this morning. He really did. And the, the, one of the great texts of the Bible, he said, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy own God, shall anoint thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Why? 
because you love righteousness, hated iniquity. We've got a lot of people that claim to love righteousness, but they don't seem to hate sin. Preachers get up in the pulpit and said, well, you know, I, I was in my living room the other night and I was uh, watching television. If I watched it, I'd never tell anybody because they just lie to be some spiritual old giant out there. I'd get plumb disappointed in me and he'd just kindly tune me off right then. But I don't know why preachers get up and haven't got anything to talk about except a piece of nasty television, see? But I mean, what we need to do, if we, if we love righteousness, we ought to hate sin. And when God called me to preach, boys, there wasn't a preacher in my county but what hated Hollywood. I mean, if he was doing anything for God, you let an evangelist come through the country back there then, and I'll guarantee you he'd never preach a revival meeting without naming sin. He'd name the dance as the devil's play floor, and he'd name the picture show as hell over Hollywood. And I mean, that's what they all did, see? But now then, we've gotten nice and smoothed down. woman called me last night, precious Christian. She said, Brother Wolf, I'm going to a number of churches. I teach so many Bible classes a week. But she said, I haven't got a preacher that ever cries out against sin. Not a one. Not a one that I know of that it ever says anything against sin. So, boys, we're not just to love righteousness, but we're to hate unrighteousness and wickedness. And you boys, I tell you what, to the same extent that you love Jesus, you're going to hate the devil. And you put it down. You say, well, I don't hate the devil. Well, you don't love Jesus either. No, sir. You haven't repented. All right, now come on, we're going to be honest about this thing. Then if you're sorry that you've sinned against God, why do you keep holding on to your nasty sins? Here you are, say, well, I, I, I love Jesus and I'm sorry. While you're looking at the old pistol that helped and the old hammer that helped nail nails through his hands, you're not sorry. You know you're not sorry. Why you lie and cheat and steal and, and laze around and break your promise and disobey and are dishonest before God. I don't believe you've ever repented. I don't believe you're sorry long as you get an opportunity to smoke a nasty cigarette or get a little old stick of marijuana and smoke it, and as long as you get a chance to curse and tell smutty jokes and to play rock and roll music on a little old silly radio if you had one. Listen, I don't believe you, sir. You haven't repented of it at all. No, sir. You may be trying to fool somebody, but you won't fool God. First Thessalonians. You know what I'm going to preach on tonight? And I don't mean in a cheap sort of way. I'm going to preach on this. Don't be a sissy. Now, I don't want you to get that in the right way. I've been thinking about this today, and it's found over in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And uh, it's going to be the fifth chapter, I believe, the fifth chapter of uh, 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to begin reading, I believe, at the uh, first verse. But of the times and the seasons... Brethren, you have, no need, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, I was talking to Christians, see, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. 
You know, that's a plain verse. That's, uh, nighttime's made sleep in. And you know, since America started sleeping in the daytime and staying awake all night, she lost her health. You can't reverse anything God put out without paying a price for it. You watch the people. Did you know that bats that live in a cave lose their eyesight? Did you know that fish that stay uh, in, in a place with no light at all, they have no eyes? They have no eyes. Did you know that you can stay in the dark so long that you'll, you, you'll lose your eyes? Why? Because you can't use them in the dark, and so your eyes just go out. They just go out. And God made the night for people to sleep in. He made the day for people to work in. And if, if we go to bed at a proper time and get up at a proper time, you know, we used to say the little uh, poem sort of said, early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And uh, there's still some truth uh, in that. And when, when men begin, you take people in corpus. Now, I'll get into corpus tonight. Oh, about... Uh, 10 or 11, and I tell you, the beer joints and hamburger joints and, and dance halls, I'm telling you, the truth, be running all up and down those streets and all night long, all night long, see? They don't know when to go to bed. They're unhealthy, though. You watch them. They're unhealthy. And uh, they don't know uh, when the best time to sleep. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain, obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Now then, whether we're awake or whether we're asleep, we ought to live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly. Where? In the Lord. And you know what that means? He said, at to, at to, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now let's go back to that verse and see what he said. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. I've never seen anybody that broke the rules, disobeyed the leaders, that ever got the victory. The quicker you learn to obey and to respect those in authority, the quicker you're going to get the victory. And we consider anybody down here that refuses to obey. They're rebels, disobedient to God. And the quicker you learn. Now, if you learn to obey your mother and dad, then you'll obey the police officers. And if you learn to obey like you ought to, the Bible said it's better to obey than it is to sacrifice. Of course, our big problem here is to get the boys to obey the Lord. See, when they obey the Lord, we don't have any more trouble with them at all, see? Because when God tells you what to do and you do it, that'll be right. And that's what you call getting orders from headquarters. It really is. When, you, when the Lord tells you what to do, because I don't believe the Lord ever say, now listen, I want you all to go out here and um, bury some cigarettes and go out there every day. I want you to smoke one a day. Now, just one a day. Now, the Lord would never tell you that, would he? He wouldn't tell you to get over on in the cabin and say, now, I want you to think of a big old juicy, dirty, filthy joke. And he'd never do that. You see, that's from the devil. That's from the devil. And anytime you boys talk ugly, remember, you're using the devil's language. I mean, you might as well be using his old black ugly tongue because that's exactly where you're getting it from. 
And everything that's dirty comes from the devil. Everything that's good and clean and right comes from the Lord. And so he said, and be at peace among yourselves. I was thinking a while ago in the office, you know, it's amazing, fellas, even though I guess y'all fuss some, and I heard some boys said, all right, now you've asked for it, you know. <laughs> I thought, oh, me, I hope it doesn't hit him with a baseball bat. But uh, it, nothing serious happened. I thought, well, boy, they're fixing to get together out there in a minute, but they didn't. They didn't. I mean, you just went ahead and got along. You're just kind of blowing off a little steam, I guess. And, you know, fellas, it's so nice to get along with each other. So he said, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man. That means don't try to get even with him now. Don't try to get back at him. Just, just don't do that. But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Now what did he say? Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I wish I could teach all of our homes how to be grateful. I got a letter this week from somebody that we took in many years ago. And you talk about helping her and stand by her. And yet she wrote in, this is not too often that we've had this from girls, but she said, don't send this to me anymore. I want nothing to do with your ministry. She's one of the most wicked girls I've ever known in my life. She's one of the meanest girls I've ever known. She doesn't know it, but she's in for some more rough sailing. When she clipped off the hand that fed her and that loved her and lifted her and helped her. Boys, don't ever be like that because she's doomed. I'll guarantee you she's doomed. She's not saved. She's haughty. She's proud. She's spoiled. She's rotten. She's sinful. She's filthy. She's ungodly. And, that, and, and even though uh, she came from uh, a good home in many respects, Bible teachers and so forth, but she's a spoiled. I think one of the worst things that ever happens to a young person is to spoil them. When they're little kids, just to spoil them. Oh, my. It'll ruin them for life. So he said, uh, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, it's God's will for you to be thankful. Now, boys... If you don't learn how to think, then you're out of the will of God. When you're out of the will of God, there's no safety out there. There's no peace out there. There's no joy out there. You see, the two things I've been trying to get over to you, you fine fellas, you know, this afternoon, I didn't land till 10 after 5, and the boys came up there ready to go hunting a little while, and of course, I was glad to join them, and we got out. And, but you know, before we went, uh, went out hunting a little while, uh, one of the boys said, I believe we better pray. Yeah. Now, and so we just, I took off my hat and hunting cap, and I said, we'll pray, and we did pray. And you know, who would have ever thought about that unless he'd have been a Christian? He realized, man, those guns, you know, start going off, and bullets could come at him, and he thought, well, I just believe it'll be safer for me if somebody will pray before I get out there this wild bunch, huh? That's right. And uh, I thought that's sweet, you know. He said, I wonder if we shouldn't pray before we go hunting. And I tell you, uh, it, it, it just means that I want to recognize the Lord. And if I go out across the field and all these boys walking along, and some of them got these old single barrel shotguns and got them old shells in them, powder and so forth, I, I'd just like to ask my Heavenly Father to take care of it. Because wouldn't it have been a sad thing 
if we'd have gone out across there and somebody had come maybe through the grove or through the grass and somebody shot an eyeball out or something, wouldn't that have been sad? It really would. So you see, uh, I certainly don't discount that kind of thought, uh, thoughtfulness because the Bible said in everything, uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So he said, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Get a good hold on it, he said. Get a good hold on it. Now, folks, you know, a lost man can't get a good hold on anything because he's dead. Have you ever seen a lost man hold anything? Have you ever seen a lost man saying, well, give me a handful of something to take home with me? No, sir. He's empty. Every man dies, and he's buried empty-handed. You can't hold anything in your cold, dead hand, not a thing. You can't take one thing. Now, they could put a checkbook in. You know, used to. Uh, back in the days, you read the stories of Indian lore, how when the Indian died, uh, they'd bury his tomahawk and, you know, a hatchet and bow and arrow. And, and I've even read where they buried his favorite horse with him. Yeah. Man, that old paint horse, you know, that'd been so faithful, and he'd ridden that thing across the prairie, and he just said, listen, I don't want to go to that happy hunting ground uh, without my horse. When I get there, I want my horse and bow and arrow and want everything. And dear friends, he got real disappointed, didn't he? Because he didn't make it to the happy hunting ground. Those of us who are saved, the only one's going to get to the happy hunting ground. And dear friends, I'm not hoping for the happy hunting ground. I know I'm going to get there. I really am. And because uh, my faith is in Christ, and my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. Now, wait a minute. Let's see what he's going to say here. He said, I want you to prove all things. Prove everything now. And if you've got something that can't be proved, you ought to get rid of it. And if you've got something that won't work out and won't prove out, all right, I'd get rid of it. I really would. My daddy used to prove an old mule before he'd buy him. That's right. He'd go to the mule barn, you know, old Jim Martin over there, the mule trader. He skinned my daddy a many times, I'll guarantee you. But my daddy takes some mules over there, and he'd buy those old blue-nosed mules from Missouri, you know. And uh, he'd trade in Jim Martin and say, Mr. Harry, he said, I'll tell you, that's one of the finest mules out there. And, but my daddy, you know what he'd do? He'd try them out. He'd try them out. Yeah, I never will forget old Blue and old Jude and old Jack. Mine, old Mary and old man. Old Mary and Mandy, they didn't mean his mules. They run away, tore up everything we had on the farm. Didn't My daddy still won't keep them. My daddy, I guess he had more fire in life and more desire. He wanted to break young mules and they'd tear up every cultivator, planter, run. I don't know how nowhere kept from killing all of them, see? But I mean, my daddy just wanted to break them in. He said, now, those are young mules. And he said, I'll tell you that. And they were, too. And they acted like it, see? And, uh, but I tell you what, you know, Used to, let me give you an illustration. You know, we had a couple of old mules named Jesse and Rody. One was an old gray mule, old Jesse, and old Rody was an old brown mule. Boy, they's faithful old mules. They's the greatest mules ever on our farm. They stayed there. I'm telling you, the fact is, they retired with us. I mean, they stayed there. Old Jesse was 20 something. You've heard me tell the story of old Jesse. Got many precious stories about him. But anyhow, you know, we'd come up to thrashing time. That's when, boy, when that big old steam engine come in there, you'd hear it coming for a mile. And oh, it makes so much racket, I'm telling you, the true steam engine, see? And uh, so he'd come in with that great big separator and had that great long belt, you know, he'd cross it and he'd put it on that thing. Boy, that old belt would start going and that they'd start dumping those uh, big bundles of oats in there and the golden oats would come rolling down that big old chute, you know, and into the wagon. And we didn't have trucks back, had wagons. And, and I tell you, but it made so much racket until old Mary and Mandy, they'd never been around an oat thrasher in their life. And I want you to know, my daddy said, now, boys, we better split them up. Better split them up. I want you to put old Mary 
with old Jesse and old Mandy with old Rhody. And be sure and put old Rhody and old Jesse on the separator side, because that's where all the racket's going on, see? And oh me, I can see it now. I never forget it. Man, I'm telling you, those, those mules, those ears came up like that, and man, they looked at that thing, they began to rear up and pull back, and old Jesse, he just held his old shoulders to the wheel, I mean, right on down there, see, he'd just stick his head in the separator. I mean, it didn't bother him. He'd been there year after year after year. And, and old Mary and Mandy, you talk about kicking and jumping out of the traces. I can see my dad now now punching them, you know, with the, with the other end, you know, the, the handle end of the pitchfork. See, he'd punch them, and man, they'd jump and rear up and come back and go sideways. And, and, and I don't know, it just seemed like old Jesse, he'd turn around and said, you silly outfit. Said, you better save that energy because you'll need it for sundown, I'll tell you that. And said, now, why don't you settle down? And yet, it seemed like he, but he never did kick them. He never did bite them. He never did lose patience with them. He just went ahead and pulled a load. And while he's kicking and jumping and rearing and stomping, old Jesse just kept on going in there, see. And he, he did his work like that all the time. But I imagine Jesse remembered the first time he ever went to separate him. Said, I used to be a fool like that myself. I really played the fool. I can see how silly it was. And he said, uh, you'll get over it. You wait about two or three years from now. I'll guarantee you'll get some sense. You'll get some sense. Seem like that's what y'all need. We need some good old Jesses and Rhodes. And I think we got some down here. Yeah. Just good old wheel horses, you know. I mean, just always a pulling and don't complain. Now we're going to come to another verse. I didn't plan on this tonight, uh, but it just kind of popped into my mind. Verse 22. Abstain. Abstain. You know what that means? Stay away. Don't get around it. Abstain from appearance. No, didn't get it all, did it? What's that other word? Oh. Well, that sounds like a fanatic, doesn't it? Abstain from all appearance of what? Evil. Now, what is evil? Huh? If you put a D on it, what do you got? Uh-huh. That's what I thought you had. Yeah, you just put the deal on that, and you've got somebody to really run from, haven't you? Yeah. So he said, abstain from all appearance of the devil. And some people wonder why I'm against television. That verse right there gets it. All appearance of evil. Because one preacher got up and preached an hour and a half on the evils of television, and he said 99% of it is evil. 99% is what he said. Someone went up to him, at the service and said, do you have one? He said, yeah, we got one in our home. So he's got, he got, he got something that's 99% evil. The Bible said, abstain from all appearance of evil. You'd say, I don't like your preaching. I didn't ask you where you liked it. That's still the truth. You see, until we get to the place, boys, where we're going to be as narrow-minded as the Word of God, we're never going to find the will of God. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. 
Thank you for partnering with us and remember that Christ is the answer.